If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, I get to just be in this space with you, and so excited that I get a chance to share with you on today. Um, today's going to be a little different. I, I'm sitting in this space, and I'm a person um, trying to figure out all of the emotions and empathy as well. And why I wanted to show that video and start off with that video um, is because what I love about that video and what I love about uh, the power of empathy is that it's a depiction of who Jesus Christ is. Like, right, isn't that the story of Jesus that he drew near to us? He didn't just shout from heaven, man, it sucks down there, but he decided to draw near to us and to sit in the pain and the ugliness and empathize with us. And so I show that video because I think it's going to inform the rest of our time together. If you're a person who needs to know the direction that we're going, uh, I want to just sit in a moment right now um, of just all that's taking place. And then I want that to be the catalyst for our conversation of what I believe the Holy Spirit is pressing upon our hearts. And so I show that video also because what I think it speaks to is the power of presence. It's exactly what Bill was getting at, is that it doesn't have, empathy doesn't have all the answers. Empathy doesn't come to try to fix the situation. And this whole week as I was preparing, I'm trying to think to myself, what are the words, Lord, give me the perfect words to fix the problems to, so that I can be the healing that people need. And yet, that's not what God calls us to be. Empathy shows up in people's lives. And for a people that are going to bear the witness of Jesus, that's our call to action. It's to show up. Show up long past when it's no longer trendy, when it's no longer the thing to do. And that's why I want to sit in this moment for a little bit, because before we move on and before we go back to our silos and before we rush back to our norms and get back to life as usual, the reality is that there's still people who are going to be picking up the pieces. And the Holy Spirit is what I want to lean into today and that topic of the Holy Spirit, because one of the gifts of the Spirit is long-suffering. And I've been wrestling with that word this week because I've been, it's one that I've read and, oh man, God gives us love, peace, patience, and long-suffering. And I kind of like skip past it. And this week as I begin to read that, it begin to sit with me a little bit longer that the Holy Spirit gives us endurance to suffer with long past the feeling of I need to be there for somebody. Long past the reaction long past the trends that are taking place, long past when somebody feels good about doing all that they're doing, two months from now, who, who's still making the call? Six months from now, who's still showing up for the community of people who still have to pick up the pieces and wrestle with underinsured and trying to figure out standing in the line and wrestling with all of the things that people are carrying? And I want to sit in this moment in this perspective today because I was one that was also not directly impacted. And for some of you in the room, you carry a little bit of the guilt, same way as I do, of how do I even be, how do, how do I show up, like how do I respond to this? And so many of us have the privilege not to. I recognized this in myself uh, last week. I was sick and I was recovering from all the, uh, the sickness that I had, the COVID, all these different things. And I'm sitting at home and I'm watching the sermon last week. If you didn't watch the sermon last week, 
Go back. It, I mean, not even just the sermon, the entire Sunday morning, from the song selection to every single aspect of the Sunday morning, it takes you on such a journey. If you're a person who um, watches uh, This Is Us, like last week was This Is Us episode times 10. Like it just takes you on an emotional journey. And, and I sat there and I recognized within myself the ability that I have to walk away. Bill's starting to go into it, and if you saw it, I'm going to kind of insider language here, but he plays a family video. I mean, two seconds into the family video, I press pause. I'm like, I'm not going down this road. Like, this is all the feeling, like, this is just too much emotion. This is like bringing up all the tears. Like, I don't sit well in the pain and ugliness of other situation. And I pressed pause. I got up. I kind of like physically walked away so I can like just kind of leave the situation. Like some of you, you, you do that as well. You're just like, I can't sit in that. Like I'm not a person who deals with the emotion well, and I'll return to it when I can. Like I still haven't finished the video. And isn't that the essence of privilege? The ability to press pause when others have to keep moving forward. The ability to turn away when others still have to face the chaos and the messiness. I don't say that as a, as a, as a reason or as a, as a space to try to guilt trip people on this morning. I say that as let's be a people who are aware of our privilege for those of us who weren't directly impacted. And let's show up with empathy long, long after the feeling of I need to do something for somebody. What does it look like to be a community that has long suffering? that sits in the pain and the ugliness of other people's story, recognizing I don't have all the answers, but I know if I bear the witness of Jesus Christ, then I know that he has equipped me to have the power of presence. And when others get a chance to turn away, I don't necessarily have that ability to. And I recognize that within myself. Some of you may recognize that as well, that when you drive home, that you don't go the direction of looking at the devastation. And yet, there's still people who are going to their homes shoveling to see if there's something else there that they can hold on to that reminds them of their home that they once had. I want to sit in this moment and start our time together a little differently because I recognize that there's compassion fatigue that's going to settle in with everyone. Compassion fatigue is a real thing, and you do the things long enough, and you sit with it long enough, and then it becomes something where it's like, okay, I'm a little bit jaded by this, and now it's time to move on. The word lament is not a word that we uh, talk about a lot in the Christian faith, and it's one that I even wrestle with myself. This year, you'll actually be hearing that word more and more, because we recognize as a church and as a community that lament is actually a form of worship and a form of prayer in pain, a prayer in confusion, a prayer in a doubt, a prayer that calls God to the floor and says, I don't understand, and ask the question, why? And lament, this is something that we do. I don't do well individually, but we also don't do well collectively, and we'll begin to continue to leave into that because here's the thing. Our souls are longing for spaces of lament of spaces of sitting in the messiness. Because if we keep being a people that shake it off and press pause and move on from the feeling and the emotion, we'll be a people that dismiss a part of our humanity that God is trying to speak into. So I bring that up today because the way that I want to start our time together is through a liturgy. 
Now, if you're not familiar with the word liturgy or uh, that language in the Christian faith, uh, liturgy is a form of worship um, with intentionality. Uh, a liturgy is one that is done, a form of worship done with intentionality that gives language to situations like the one that we find ourselves in this morning. And so I want to read a liturgy for you, because for some of you in this room, even prayer these, these days, you don't necessarily know all the words to say. You don't necessarily have all the language, and that's the place of liturgy where we can begin to just read the words on the page that was done with intentionality. I want to read a liturgy uh, for you this morning. It's done by Reverend Yolanda Pierce. Uh, She says this long liturgy, and I'm going to read a portion of it, and then I want to just add a few words of encouragement right at the very end, and let that be the catalyst for our morning. Uh, Reverend Yolanda Pierce says these words right here, let us not rush to the language of healing before understanding the fullness of the injury and the depth of the wound. Let us not rush to offer band-aid when the gaping wound requires surgery and complete reconstruction. Let us not offer false equivalencies, thereby diminishing the particular pain being felt in a particular historical moment. Let us not be afraid to sit with the ugliness, the messiness, and the pain that is life and community together. Let us not offer cliches to the grieving, those whose hearts are being torn asunder. This morning, here's what I want to offer instead. Let us practice the power of presence. Let us practice the power of presence. Sit with God, sit with your family, sit with others, and sit with yourself. Sit with God, sit with your family. Let me frame it a different way, talking about the power of presence. Show up with God. Show up with your family. It's so important for those around you, especially your children, to see you grieving and lamenting. Show up with others, for others, and show up for yourself. First, Thessalonians 2.8, Paul offers these words to us that I think is so important, and I believe for our time together, These words need to be the posture of our lives, recognizing we're not just a community here to call upon God and to talk about all of the heavenly things without reaching out in our social atmospheres to recognize we are called to bear witness in our social lives as well. Paul puts it so succinct, and I carry this message with me as a just a a mantra that to keep me on pace and to keep me on track. He says these words right here, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. Not only are we called to share the gospel of Jesus, but I share with you my life. God forbid we become a people that just talk about Jesus and how good he is and awesome he is in our lives, but yet we don't ever share our lives with one another. We don't ever sit at the table of messiness and crisis with one another. So, 
This morning, I've said it a few times, I wanna start our time a little differently. And this is going to be uh, very odd. And for those of people who are on staff and you've been here for some time, this is probably gonna be like fingernails on a chalkboard, like you're not gonna wanna do this. I'm gonna just go ahead and prep you right now. Uh, But I wanna sit for a moment and have a moment of pause. Uh, As we start this new year, uh, if you've been in the Christian faith, you know, um, if you grew up in Christian world or whatever the case may be, uh, January is a time where Christians get really holy. Like this is a time where they get super spiritual. We got people on fast right now. Like if you like really church, you got like your word of the year, like how God gonna do all these things, right? Um, And so we're in that that space. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm in this space where I'm sitting with myself and I'm practicing rhythms that I haven't normally practiced and I'm leaning into the depth of my spirituality. And so I'm in that space and I'm saying, you know what, I'm going to take that church on that space as well. And so this morning, as we practice a moment of pause, I think it's important that we not just talk about the power of silence, but we sit with the power of silence. There was a monk that visited a church in New York one time. And if you don't know about a monk, monks uh, live a life, a contemplative life that are uh, d- distant and away from all the like distractions and uh, social media, all the different things. And they live a life where they practice silence and isolation and all of the different things, right? Contemplative rhythms of life. This particular monk went to a non-denominational church in New York. They had all the bells, the whistles, smog, lights, right? All the different things. And he loved the service. He said, how amazing God showed up in today's time. I've never seen anything like it. But I have a question. You sung a song, and then you moved on to the next one. And then you kept going on about the service. And they asked, like, yeah, but what are you talking about? Well, you said in the song, Lord, we sit in silence with you, but that's not what you did. And the question that he had for the pastor was, why don't you practice what you sing? And I said this morning, I asked you to go on this journey with me to just be crazy enough, awkward enough to sit in this weird space. Let's just go ahead and own it for what it is. And let's just be a people crazy enough to practice what we sing, to practice what we preach. I know that we think about Sunday mornings and we're thinking about our neighbor and we're thinking about uh, the first timer. If you're a first timer in the room and you're kind of trying this Jesus thing out, uh, it's going to seem weird. Uh, We're going to be the weird people for a moment. But yet we see silence as something that God continues to call us into. And may this be a practice amongst others that we echo in our worship service on a Sunday morning, not so that we can just uh, be weird people, right? Like this isn't for the sake of uh, sitting in awkwardness, but being a community of people that practices rhythms, recognizing this is where God meets us. So for the next few moments, as we practice pause, as we practice silence, some of you, you're going to be distracted. You're going to be hearing babies cry. You're going to have all these other things. Normalize that distraction and pray the same prayer that I'll pray, which is, Lord, here I am again. And if this is your first time on a Sunday and you don't necessarily call yourself a person who follows Jesus, uh, would you just take this moment and just reflect on where you are emotionally, the things that you're bringing into this moment? Because I believe that the power of silence and the power of presence has the ability to meet us exactly where we are. So let's get awkward for a second. 
and be a people that live into the rhythm of silence. Lord, there is something beautiful and something holy about sitting with you, showing up with you and practicing silence. And my prayer this morning is that we may find more and more spaces like that one in our everyday life. And may you meet us in the moments that we get to turn the volume down and sit in silence. In Jesus' name I pray, let every extrovert in the room say amen. As we start our time together, I want to start with this scripture right here. Proverbs 28, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people will always perish. Proverbs 28, 18, where there is no vision, the people will always perish. I want to flush that out just a little bit as we start our time together and let that moment that we just had inform us for the next few moments. I like to say it this way. In the Christian faith, vision is not what we hear with our ears, but it's what we hear. It's not what we, excuse me, vision is not what you can see with your eyes, but it's what you can see or hear with your ears. Vision is not what you can see with your eyes, but what you can hear with your ears. Maurice, what do you mean by that? Vision that I'm talking about can only be found in the spaces when we intentionally listen for what the Holy Spirit is pressing upon our hearts. A vision, when we talk about Martin Luther King Jr. and the weekend of celebrating his life and his legacy, let us not forget and sanitize and water down his life to be a person who is just about social justice. This is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a pastor who lived his life as one who was informed, his faith informed him to live in such a way that it changed the entire world. Because he had a vision. When we talk about the I have a dream speech, it's full of vision. That one day, and he starts to talk about his children and, and being in places where no longer segregation and all the things and judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. He's talking about vision that I firmly believe was given to him by the Holy Spirit. Why do I bring up vision this morning? I bring up vision because in the latter part of 2021, Bill, um, our lead pastor, came into the office and he began to articulate vision. And this is, I mean, probably like October. And it wasn't vision for the next Sunday. It wasn't vision about the songs and worship. It wasn't vision about the Christmas uh, series that we wanted to do. He began to articulate what God was pressing upon his heart for our church in the new year. 
the type of people that he believes God is calling us to be, a community that he believes God is calling us to be. And he said many things, um, and one of the things that he began to uh, mention that I want to really detail for us on today, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it down exactly. Sometimes I drift in the meetings. Don't tell Bill, right? Um, But he said something to the effect that he believes God is calling us to become a community that fully relies on the Holy Spirit. And for some of us in the room, uh, we're probably in this space where we're like, uh, duh, like, uh, of course. But when he began to cast vision, it really began to dawn on us that how many of us really live in a space that we have full reliance on the Holy Spirit? What would our communities look like if we became a people fully reliant on the Holy Spirit? What would our jobs look like if we became a people fully reliant on the Holy Spirit? Like, I'm talking about a people that are so in tune with God, like it's second nature. That when God's presence is palpable, like when it's felt, you know when God's moving in the room. You know when it's God telling you, uh, don't do that and do this. Like there's a discernment and there's a keenness that you have when you wake up in the morning to recognize God is calling me to do this. This is how I show up. If we're going to be a people that are practicing the power of presence and showing up for our neighbors and the ones that's around us, we can just show up. But there's also a way that we can show up of, God, put this on my heart to show up in this way. God put it on my heart that there's a need in this area. When, we, when I think about uh, the, the story that Bill just shared of uh, Jackie getting a gift of uh, a grandma gifts and the gifts, gifts to give to the grandkids and all those things, like there's something about when we have an awareness and our ears are so in tune with how God is speaking to us that we begin to be a people that fully rely on him. Some of us may be wondering, how does this happen? I'm informed by scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 is what I want to read for you this morning. It says these words, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And he will make your path straight. Like this is a life submitted and leaning on Christ, like relying on him. Like what does this look like? How does this happen? I know there's a lot of hows that's in the room, right? But I firmly believe that if we're going to be a community that's relying on the Holy Spirit, what it boils down to essentially is that we become a people that have the posture of, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Like it's us laying down our agenda, our purpose, our image, and the picture that we had for our lives and to saying, Lord, let your will be done, not mine. Many of us, we started this year and uh, we had plans in Christmas of what we wanted 2022 to look like. We had all the things planned out. I want to do this, whether it was I want to do the weight loss and I want to learn Spanish and like all of the different things. We had all the goals set out. We wrote them down and I want to have this sort of thing. I want to be this sort of person in the year. I'm going to stop being petty and I'm going to stop trying to like do these different things. I'm going to like not have so much ambition. Like I'm going to have this type of salary, whatever it may have been. We had all of those things, and even in the latter part of December, we begin to see things spin out of control. COVID numbers surging like crazy, fires that we were so unexpected. 
starting the new year with all of these different things, holding on to the grief of Christmas wasn't what Christmas was supposed to be, but that we thought it was going to be this year. And coming into this year, we started to recognize more and more that we don't have control of our lives like we thought we did. But a community of people that is relying on the Holy Spirit, it doesn't dismiss our reality. But what it does say is, Lord, your will be done. Not in any way. Please hear me clearly. Am I saying it's the will of the Lord that those fires came? It's the will of the Lord that COVID's here. Let's, like, if you hear people say that, please run. Like, that is not true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I am saying is that we become a people that lay down our wills and agendas and we lay down our control. Because if we're honest, we are control freaks. Like we want things to be a certain way. We want our lives to look a certain way. And yet, how many of us have taken the time to hear from God of what he wants in our lives? The plans that he has for our lives. What type of community could we be if we decided to not worry about what, who our friends want us to be, but Lord, who do you want me to be? Not the job that I want, but Lord, the job that you want for me. Not the girlfriend or boyfriend that I want, not the college that I want, not the church that we want to build. Lord, what is it that you have for us? What this does for us is it begs the question, I don't say that in a way or ask that question uh, for us to just sit in a space of like, oh man, I feel guilty or I'm not in that space yet. I hope more of what you hear in the underlying message of what I'm getting at is that to have vision this year and to have the best year spiritually this year, we are going to have to make room to hear from the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to make room to hear from the Holy Spirit. I just talked about the vision that Bill had and that he began to articulate to us. I have a question for you this morning. What's your vision? Husbands, what's your vision? For those of you in the room, what has God been placing on your heart to speak into your family? Wives, what are, what's the vision that God is beginning to tell you of how you desire to navigate the family structure? And what, what, what is the speaking life into all of the things that is, you're putting your hands to? Young adults, college students, what is your vision? Not your five-year plan, not your 10-year plan, not like the career that you're going to go into. What is it that God is speaking to you in this moment Vintage people, come here, let me talk to you. Because God, throughout all of Scripture, used people that were two years old and 200 years old. And if you still have blood running warm in your body, there is a purpose and plan. So what is the vision and the legacy that God has placed on your heart? I don't ask that question uh, to just be um, uh, nagging to you this morning, but I do hope that that question is annoying. Like, I do hope that that question uh, wrestles you just a little bit. Because what it pushes us to identify in our own worlds is that I need to make space to hear what God has for my life, for my marriage, for my job, for my children. 
Every single year, me and Aisha, we get together and we begin to write down what the vision God has for our marriage in this year. What is it that God has been placing on us individually? What is it that we're going to be pursuing uh, in this next year individually, but also collectively? Like, I I wonder more and more what it is that God has for us as a couple. Like, what is that thing? Like, what, what is it that people experience when they walk away from experiencing our marriage? Lord, what is that? And in no way do I say that to be some sort of hero this morning of look at my life and what I do. Because here's the transparency. We're in our second week of January. We still haven't done it yet. Like, is anybody else like still like in their mind, like living in this reality of like, nah, December's was six weeks this year. Like December was an extra few weeks. Like January hasn't even started. Like I need a little bit more runway this year, Lord, because it's too much going on. I bring that up and I say that because we begin to identify more and more that we don't want to be a people that is reactionary and not standing in a place of what God has for our life. And too many of us sit in a place where we react to life and we're not living from a place of vision. See, vision keeps you on track. Vision is there so that you can recognize when you begin to drift away from what God put in your heart. Two months from now, when you don't want to do the weight loss thing and you don't want to do all these different things, what is the word that God has given to you that's going to keep you grounded? And I say that because not at all do we have this thing figured out. Like, I'm a person who's like holy one week, full of vision one week, and then next week, like, I'm off, like, all all over the place, right? But I recognize that God places vision inside of his people because he has a plan in this earth for every single one of us. And that is what I believe Bill was articulating to us in that I believe we will begin to flush out this year. That if we became a community of people that relied on the Holy Spirit, made room for the voice of the Holy Spirit, how does that impact our lives? It was just a month ago that we were talking about the Christmas story and how there was no room in the inn and Jesus came and make room for him in your life, make room for him in your heart. And a month later, we begin to drift. Let us be a people relying on the Holy Spirit. And I want to be very sensitive in this, mo- in this moment because I recognize that there is people, that all of us are sitting in a space where we're tired, we're fatigued. Like, Maurice, my vision is just uh, one step after the other. Like, I'm just trying to get myself up in the morning to face the day. Like, if I can uh, figure out how to shower within three days, like, that's my vision. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to wrestle and figure out all the different, different things with work and with kids. Maurice, like, there's some things that's taking place in my life that vision becomes, in some ways, an afterthought. I wrote this, this thought down as I begin to wrestle with this and recognizing the same place that I'm in in my own life sitting in a place knowing that I am not where I want to be, sitting in a place of guilt, um, getting the text of all the things taking place and me not being impacted and trying to pastor from a distance and not knowing what to say and not knowing how to show up, all the different things. I don't say that to center my story. I just say that to say, I think there's other people in the room and sitting in the same space as I am. And this is the thought that I believe God is pressing us towards. Making room is more about time spent with the Holy Spirit than it is completing tasks for the Holy Spirit. 
Like this isn't another thing to put on your to-do list. Making room is more about time spent with the Holy Spirit than fighting to do things for the Holy Spirit. Let me put you at ease even a little bit more. Uh, It's not even about, uh, making room is not even about finding all the right words to say as you are spending time with the Holy Spirit. There's a powerful story of uh, Mother Teresa, and uh, there was a reporter that was talking to Mother Teresa, and he was asking all these questions, and he began to uh, articulate, like, man, what is, what is your prayer life like? Like, what are you saying? Because Mother Teresa is doing all this amazing things. She's living in a way. She's practicing the power of presence. She's showing up in other people's lives like never before. And so this reporter is like, how, 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 how? Like, what are the things? Like, what are the steps, right? Like, we can get in that same zone also, right? Like, what are the steps to get to this place? And so he asked, like, what do you say? What are the things that you say during your prayer? She said, I'm not talking. Like, I'm not saying anything. I'm listening. And the reporter was confused. He's like, like, what do you mean? And so he said, okay, if you're listening, like, what's the grand things that God is saying? Like, what is the big revelations that you're getting from God? Like, what is he saying? And he looked, and she looked at the reporter and she said, nothing. He's listening to me. And the reporter at this point is confused. Like, what are you talking about? And she says, listen, if you don't get it, if you don't understand it, I don't know what to tell you. We behold one another. Making room this year, if we're going to be a people relying on the Holy Spirit, is about spent time with God, beholding one another. Like if you ever had a relationship where you can just look at one another and no words have to be said? Like if you've been in a situation where you have a friendship where you can just give each other a look and you like already know off bat what each other's already saying? Because there's a power when you have time with one another that you can behold one another and no words have to be said. As we start 2022, my question to you is who are you beholding? What's keeping you from making room this year? I want this to be a space where I'm prodding you just a little bit. Like, I want to push you outside your comfort zone. Like, oh, Maurice really thinks he's got it together. I don't know why he was talking like that. Like, I want it to be a little bit of that today. Not like I'm some guy who has it all together here. Listen, I will uh, spend time with you and tell you how jacked up I am. I'm talking this morning because... I believe there's some people in the room that desire a deeper relationship, that have a longing to be a people relying on the Holy Spirit. Like wondering in this room, like some people, you may think to yourself, like, is that actually for me? Like when I read scripture and all the different things that God did and the the powerful things that he moved and all the different things that he had, like all the different stuff, like, is that actually for me? I wrestled with this question myself because uh, not too long ago, Aisha went on this trip, like five-day trip, seven-day trip, and um, she was gone for some time. And when it becomes Bachelor Weekend, like, I just, like, get excited. Like, any guys in the room, like, I don't know, like, maybe you're there as well. I get excited for, like, the first four days, and then I'm like, bring my wife back, right? Um, And before she leaves, she's like, I know you're going to be excited, and you're going to be kicking your feet up, and you're going to be having crumbs all over the couch, and you're not going to pick up your clothes, and you're not going to do the dishes to the very day that I, before before I get back, which is totally true, Um, and all these things. She's like, I know that. Like, you're going to have your time to yourself. I get all of those things. 
but I believe God has something to say to you. So don't just spend all of your time for you. Listen to what he's saying. Because as much time as you want to yourself is just as much time God wants with you. And my wife is one where God uses her and speaks through her. And day one goes by, and as predicted, I'm eating and crumbs all over the couch and staying up late. And day two goes by, and I'm kicking off my clothes and all the different things and uh, eating just fast food, like not even cooking meals, right? Day three goes by, and day four comes around, and it becomes something where her words begin to resonate with me. Like I have a choice in the matter to keep spending my life for me or I can press past to see what does God long to communicate to me? How about this? Let's double down a little bit and say, what does the space look like where God just wants to be with me? where I'm intentional, not so much about all of the words, because I believe we are transformed by God when we spend time with God. We are transformed by God when we spend time with God. And for some of you in the room, maybe you're in the same space, that God has something to say to you, but you have a choice in the matter. Will you drift to your default? Will you drift back to the norm of where you spend your days and your life? Or will you take time to lean into what God has to say to you? I want to provide one practical step for you this morning. And in some ways, it's already redundant. It's already something that we've lived into. Because I recognize for all of us, For us to be a people, a community that is relying on the Holy Spirit, we will have to be a community that's in pursuit of God. We, as we be a community that's in, uh, 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 a community that is relying on the Holy Spirit, it's not so much about our perfection, but it's being a people that is known by our pursuit. A people that will continue to strive and move in the direction of Jesus Christ time and time again. We get it wrong, we get back up and we pursue. Being a people that are known by our pursuit and not our perfection. And this happens in one practical way. I believe it happens not just only one practical way, but I want to provide a practical way for you as we move forward. As we end our time together, I believe all of us must find Silence. We must find silence. As the band makes their way to the stage, I think what God is pressing upon our hearts and and as he looks at our rhythms of our day-to-day lives, how many of us can truly say that our lives echo the rhythms of Jesus? We always wonder Will our lives look like the people in the Bible? Like they did some amazing things. They did some great things. Like, is that for me? Like I have doubts. I don't even know if I can even do that. Like I don't even have enough faith. Like I don't even know if, like I'm just a regular person who, who, who's following Jesus. Like, is that something for me to experience? And I believe the only reason that we don't experience the depth of how Jesus is impacting our lives is because we live a God and life. 
theologian by the name of A.W. Tozer talks about a God and life and how we will always miss out on the presence and the power of God when we have our pursuit in several directions. That we have God and control, God and success, God and this, God and that, and we're seeking all of these things and we want God and my timeline, God and my money, God and my ambition. And maybe, what if we are missing out on the power of God because our pursuit is in so many different directions? As we leave this place today, may our pursuit be in one direction and that is in direction of silence with God, a time spent with God. David put it this way, one thing that I desire, Psalm 27, it's one thing that I desire. This is King David, one thing you desire? It's one thing that I desire and that will I seek after, that will I pursue, that I may dwell and behold that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and behold his glory. David didn't live a God and life and therefore he experienced the power of God himself. As you leave this place, the practical step that all of us, I believe God is pressing us into is finding silence. Finding a space and a rhythm. I don't know if that's at the top of your day. I don't know if that's at the middle of your day, at the end of your day. But if we're honest, in such a busy, distracted world that we live in, silence is not a second nature for us. Time spent with God when no words have to be said, for many of us, is not our norm. But it's, I believe when we find silence this year and we make that a second nature, when we make that a priority, when we make that a desire of ours, God meets us in that awkwardness, in that distraction. Because when we become intentional, God sees that we are relying fully on Him. And nothing pleases God like a faith in Him to the point we set things aside and we spend time with God. Here's all I wanna say, and this, this is where I wanna wrap up and close our, my message. As you look at your life, as you wrestle with the question of vision, as you wrestle with the question of, am I a person fully relying on Jesus Christ? Am I relying on the Holy Spirit? We're going on a journey this year to become that community. And what would it look like a year from now as we become that community that is solely dependent upon the Holy Spirit? What do our spiritual lives look like? What does our marriages look like? What does our community look like when we begin to show up in a way where people recognize you've been in the presence of God? This happens by finding silence. Scripture tells us that Jesus got away time and time again because he made room to spend time with God. Would you bow your heads for me? Because my prayer this morning is very simple. 
Lord, would you help us to find silence? Would you help us to become a community that is fully reliant on your Holy Spirit? Not a community that is marked by perfection, but a community that is marked by their pursuit. And we know, Lord, from your scripture that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So we ask you, Lord, to create in us that draw, that longing that's already there, that we can be that people that longs after you like a deer pants after the water brook. It's your Holy Spirit that we desire to have time with and rely on because Lord, we recognize coming into this year that we do not have the control that we thought we did. But when we rely on you, we don't need that control. Your will be done and not ours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.